Hello and welcome to the Conscious Buddy podcast. I am Estella, creator of the Conscious Buddy community. Conscious Buddy is a worldwide community that encourages us to make a difference to the lives of ourselves and others through connecting and collaborating with like-minded individuals who want to live a more conscious life and work towards solutions that create a better world. Okay, so hello and welcome to the Conscious Buddy first ever podcast. And I am Estella, and today I am doing a podcast with Deborah Berryman, who is a yoga and meditation teacher, writer, and mentor. Uh, teacher and her teaching and writing is friendly and down to earth, reminding us to pay attention to our lives and what really matters. Her introduction to yoga and meditation started when she got sober over 20 years ago, um, when she found that she couldn't sit still with herself. She spent the last 20 years on a personal mission to experience and share how these practices can deepen our recovery and help us to rediscover the whole self. Deborah is known for her infectious um, passion for building that bridge to normal living, giving ourselves permission to be fully human. And she's currently living in Buckinghamshire with a cat who's losing the plot. <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, like us all at this current time <laughs> a little bit uh, with laughter because that's what we need right so um, the podcast is basically um, based on like a kind of a bit of a series at the moment and the first one um, all focusing on addiction and mental health and the first one is basically yoga philosophy for addiction and mental health and the reason uh, why I chose Deborah is because Deborah um, taught me how to teach yoga and meditation. Um, I think that course started around seven years ago now. So oh, <laughs> it's a time, <laughs> so time has definitely, definitely got on. So I'll just explain a little bit of on the background of that. Um, I was actually in recovery myself at the time. I was on a 12 step program. Um, I came from addiction myself and, uh, I, Really, it was a bit of a a bit of a whim for me um, to kind of fall into uh, being a yoga teacher. I got introduced to yoga a few years before that um, up in the Turkish mountains and totally fell in love with it. It gave me a sense of peace and calm. And I, I think I must have just been ready for it. But it wasn't enough. It, it didn't do, you know, I mean, it was the, it was the beginning of my journey. That was about 11 years ago. and it But it wasn't quite enough for me at that stage to recognize how I could use these practices really in line with uh, recovery um and 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 honestly at this time I didn't really know about the philosophy of it at all if I'm honest and it was only when I started my yoga teacher training course so what happened is I, I I've been in the fitness industry and in the wellness industry for 14 years and I just decided that doing being a yoga teacher would be a really good idea um because my body was hurting and I wanted uh, to do something a little bit more gentler and I thought yeah let's go down the yoga path and that's what it meant to me at that particular time basically I started this uh, course within a week I think of asking you I, I messaged Deborah and I said I really want to do the yoga teach training that you know and you, and you had said there was one space left <laughs> and I said brilliant <laughs> 
I'm coming. I'm on I it. I remember that. I remember, yeah. So um, so that was it. So then I started this yoga teach training. And whilst I was on it, obviously then started to really discover the history of yoga philosophy. And my eyes just lit up. This for me was like a revelation. It was like, why am I not hearing this when I go to yoga classes? And um, and I wanted to know more. That got me hungry for more yoga philosophy. And really, I think for me, that's when it really started. That's when the depth, the level of depth for yoga and not just yoga, but meditation and any type of kind of practice that incorporated the mind, the body and the spirit became really intriguing for me. And that was it. My spiritual path really deepened and it was a huge part of my recovery. Um, I then went on to train as yoga and mindfulness for addiction. And I started to then deliver yoga and mindfulness for addiction courses um, in a studio that I then set up back on the back of training um, as a yoga teacher. I didn't carry on this studio, but I, I started it up and started to do it there because that was really what my what it felt like my main intention was at that stage is to get yoga to people who really needed it and didn't possibly didn't understand what yoga can actually really give them. So what I would really like to, I suppose, you know, the things that I would really like to to discuss with you is um, how, or really how yoga started for you, how you got into this um, yourself, what, what difference it's made to, to your life, how you use the yogic philosophy alongside your recovery. Um, and of course, your, your experience as a teacher of also teaching just, you know, thousands of people over the last, you, you know, how, 10, 11 years of owning um, White Space Studio and, of course, continuing now to do teacher trainings. Um, just before I begin, if, if in case I forget, what a privilege it is to be here for your first podcast. Oh. <laughs> That's so cool. And how symbolic it is, you know, the beginning of that journey in the beginning of this chapter for you. I think that's so lovely. So thank you. For yeah. me. You're um, welcome. My journey, gosh. Um, my first experience of yoga and meditation was before I got sober. And I remember dabbling in these practices because I could see from the outside, they looked so calming. I'm sharing this on the meditation session the other day. They look so calming, and I, from the outside, when I saw somebody practicing yoga or meditating, I wanted their outsides. You know, I, I, it looked so peaceful, and inside of me was such chaos, such chaos and confusion. And so, when I looked at that practice from the outside, I was like, "That's what I want. That's the feeling that I want." Um, but <laughs> inevitably, because I'm still drinking and using, when I practice yoga, I just felt sick. You know, and meditation actually frightened me. I used to do it with a friend of mine. And when I started to feel myself going into a different state of being, I got terrified. I, I was too, mm. uh, I felt too unsafe inside myself. And uh, so they, they didn't really work. But what I do remember about practicing before I got sober was 
Shavasana. You know, I was in a yoga class and I, you know, I was I had a hangover, I felt awful, kept going upside down with like forward bends and downward facing dog, and I thought they were trying to kill me. <laughs> and uh, you know, I was just trying to get through the class. It was an hour and a half of Iyengar and and at the end of the class they did like a 10-minute Shavasana, and that was such a magical moment for me because I remember being aware of the feeling that there was nothing missing. And for an alcoholic and an addict who is always looking to change the way that she felt and always looking for more, like whatever I had was just never enough, you know, that there was this craving, an insatiable craving within me that, that I just couldn't put out. For those 10 minutes, I didn't have that feeling. And I remember walking out of the class, forgetting all the, you know, the hour and a half before that I hated <laughs> and just thought, wow, you know, there is something in this, but that's it. That's the feeling. And so I... I got sober shortly after that experience of Shavasana and um, and I knew that there was something in yoga that would help me to ride out, especially early recovery, because I, I couldn't even sit in meetings. I was jittery. I was, you know, restless. I, I knew that I wanted to be in the meeting, but my body was just asking me to get out, you know, to be somewhere else. Mm-hmm. didn't know where it wanted to be. It didn't want to be in a pub. It didn't want to be around people. It didn't want to be at work, but it didn't want to be in the meeting. It just didn't want to be still. You know, so I found that really difficult. So I knew that yoga would still hold this kind of key for me to be able to find some kind of comfort inside of my body and mind, you know, because it had been, it become really hostile in there. You know, I, I didn't feel safe in my body. I didn't feel safe in my mind. It was really aggressive and it was full of anger and resentment and irritability and impatience and, you know, growling at the world around it. Um, so I needed help. In, in being able to stay inside, you know, with a degree of comfort. So I knew that yoga had something to offer there. So I had no money. I was traveling around Australia at the time and I went to a studio in Sydney and asked if they would do an exchange for cleaning. So I was their cleaner and uh, <clears throat> and I could get free yoga in exchange for that, which was great. It meant I could do loads of yoga. I had time on my hands. I was, you know, six weeks sober probably at this time. And so I would clean on a Sunday when the studio was closed. and. Uh, while I loved the yoga, what I discovered while I was cleaning, they had a library of books. And so after I cleaned, the studio was empty. I would read the books. And there was one of the first books I ever picked up was Eric Schiffman's Moving Into Stillness. And it, it had such a succinct, beautiful explanation about some of the yoga philosophy and the qualities of the mind and, and how yoga works. And that's when, like you, when I understood um some of the ideas, principles, philosophies, psychologies that sits behind yoga practice and meditation practice, I was like, this is basically recovery. <laughs> this is basically recovery, you know, 500 years ago, 1,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago. This is all about <clears throat> how to make peace with ourselves and live in the world around us. You know, I thought I was just mm-hmm. putting shakes on the mat and, and by mm-hmm. the end of it, because I was exhausted, that's why I felt good. And actually, that's not what's happening. It's a byproduct. You know, but that's not just what's happening. And so when I started to read those texts and start to get a more of an understanding of yoga, I could not get enough of it. And and in some ways, I mean, I came back to the UK and um, I found some teachers. It was difficult. There was no studio around this area, as you know. Um, so I had to find teachers, either um, local teachers around the area. There's a couple of teachers. I found one in Nottingham who I loved because he was really, he taught a style called Kashmiri which is really introvert, really reflective, really meditative, and it just ticked all the boxes for me. I loved it. And um, 
And so in true yoga style, in true addict style, at some point in my practice, a bit like you do in recovery, I did this when I first got sober, like in my first year or two, I was running around the planet going, why doesn't everybody know about this? Why isn't everybody in, you know, in recovery of some way, shape or form? Why doesn't everybody understand, you know, about the nature of addiction, whether that's gambling or internet or social media or drugs or alcohol, it's the same fucking thing. Mm. Why doesn't everybody know about this and, you know, find their way through? So I did that with yoga and meditation. I was like, why isn't everybody practicing yoga and meditation? (laughs) Everybody should be doing this. If everybody was doing this, the world would be such a better place, you know. um I, I kind of I was a bit of a missionary you know so I was like I'm just, I'm just gonna set up a studio I'm just gonna <laughs> I was convinced that yoga was gonna save the world yeah, <laughs> basically everybody did it yeah even the Dalai Lama I think he he's got a famous saying you know if we taught seven-year-olds meditation across the planet there would be no war there would be no conflict yeah you know, just yeah self-regulate um so that was my I guess, journey into then owning a yoga studio. I really didn't think I was going to change the world, or at least Milton Keynes. <laughs> and you did. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, you really did. Yeah. Um, you did create a movement there, for sure. Yeah, so it kind of galvanised a community, which was amazing. And um, it got it, it gave a platform for some amazing teachers that were already out in the community. It allowed them to come together and work together and, and then become this kind of hub for people to come and explore yoga in a way I I felt you know I kept white space any um it was intentional that I called it white space it's intentional that I didn't use any Sanskrit names intentional that I kept the class descriptions fairly neutral because I really wanted to make it accessible to the people that wouldn't normally do yoga that was really a, a, a massive mission for mine I wanted it to be Bob who's 55 years is old who's you know just suffering with depression or whatever it might be mm. I wanted to make sure that those people would go into that building mm. um, and so we interestingly when we first opened in the first year or two I tried running a number of philosophy workshops and classes and they didn't work they, mm. at that stage people just weren't interested in at all they were interested in the physical practice of yoga, <clears throat> even meditation didn't do so well. We have one meditation class on the timetable out of, I don't know, 25 classes probably at the beginning. Um, so it felt like one of our missions was to meet people where they were, you know, whatever they were coming to yoga for, and then once they were in the door, start getting them interested in some of the as- other aspects of yoga <clears throat> because it felt like, it was a step too far for a lot of people. Those people that were already practicing yoga, that was a no-brainer. They were already in and interested. Mm-hmm. It was the, I guess, wider population. Mm-hmm. About, okay, how do we get these people starting to get curious about what's going under, what's going on underneath this practice, and why is it useful to meditate? You know, rather than it just being this horrible experience for them, because it can be challenging. So we spent, you know, a good three or four years really starting to generate and, and create some curiosity around some free workshops and, you know, all that kind of stuff. We asked teachers yeah. to add it to the classes. You um, used to do, like, film nights and stuff as well, didn't you, yeah. often on on yogic philosophies or... Yogic or veganism or... Yeah. You know, sneak some <laughs> <laughs> conspiracies in there and stuff. Yeah. Like yeah. yeah, just to start the discussion and the debate. And, again, not, not for people that are already vegan. They're already convinced. It was for the people that were kind of on the edges thinking it's a step too far, but I'm curious, you know, it's to really 
try and meet those people as much as possible. And like you said, we've done some um, philosophy ones as well. Um, what we found is over time, did they got curious? They got really curious. And then we did a massive. Um, I became a mindfulness teacher. You know, I really got into vipassana um, meditation, and uh, I trained mindfulness teacher to start bringing um, to help people make that transition from yoga to meditation. Mm. It seems to be that way around um, because I felt like. Uh, going back to the classical structure, uh, thinking about Patanjali structure, asana was always a preparation for the meditation, and it felt like we had a, a big population of people that was were practicing asana but were not making that transition. Yeah. Um, and for me, it felt like that's where the gold is. You know, the asana is the preparation. Yeah. And while that that's you know it brings benefits and it makes you feel better and you you know you do feel a shift inside when you're practicing yoga on a frequent and regular basis, but it's just scratching the surface. I mean, when you get into really getting into meditation and start to harvest um, what that practice can offer, I mean, that can change everything, right? Yeah. So, uh, so we spent a good few years really trying to raise the profile and proliferate mindfulness meditation. And again, it worked. You know, we have groups that were filled with like 20, 30 people in them, which was amazing. Um, and then some of them wanted to train as mindfulness teachers again, which is beautiful. Um, and then going back to teacher training, teacher training for me was um, twofold really. One was the recognition that if, uh, as a studio, the core of what we offer is really good teachers, it has to be really good teachers. And trying to find really good teachers at that time can be difficult. You know, just they may not be in the local area, they live, you know, 40 miles away or whatever it might be, or the ones that are here are busy on the days that we want them to work on. So we knew that um, if we're looking for something that's sustainable and we want to be able to guarantee the level or, or the quality of the training that person's had, and I'm not saying ours is the best teacher training in the world at all. You know, I'm not, I wouldn't claim that at all, but it was the quality of the training that we wanted to have mm -hmm. when we were going to hire somebody. So a really good balance of anatomy. We do eight full days on anatomy. We do six full days on philosophy and then 10 days on, on teach training. Um, so we developed that program so that we could uh, develop and grow our own teachers and kind of keep a consistent standard at the studio. And the other reason was we found uh, that there was an interest and an appetite for people to dive deeper in the philosophy by the time we got to this point in, in Workspace's journey. But... Um, so we, we originally advertised the philosophy module as a standalone module. It was a six-day module. And the feedback that we had is that people were reluctant to invest that time and that money without something to um, – well, something to show for it, but uh, I guess as a stepping stone that they might be able to use that in the future rather than it just being a process of learning. So we kept it as standalone modules, I think, for three years or something. And then eventually we just folded it into the teach training and, and recognised that it, it seems to be that people want to go through that process as a collective process, teacher training, which includes the philosophy, rather than just doing a standalone philosophy module on its own. Now, it might be different now. I don't know. Um, we've kept it that way for a, for a number of years and it seems to be working. But, you know, the... The way that people study and the things that people are interested in is quite fluid, you know, and, and I guess it's being able to respond to that. But the fact that 
people like when you were going through the training and all the people that have gone through that training are allowed to immerse themselves in that process. Um, because there is something about going through that learning with other people, that community, that sangha, yeah. is really important that we can discuss um, the, yeah. the, the history and the lineage and the philosophy um, with other people from not just an, uh, an academic or an intellectual uh, leaning, but actually an experimental one. So when I practice, you know, this thing with the chakras, this is what I'm feeling when I do that, or I don't feel anything when I do that. Does that mean that it's not working? Does that mean that's something wrong with me? Does it mean that they don't really exist? You know, so we, and there's no right answer. It's kind of like, well, let's just have the discussion. I think there's yeah. something really precious about sharing that experience with people. Um, and I think as well, when you know, when when you are teaching, it is about just kind of dropping in those little nuggets, isn't it? Without even people realizing, um, and that I think is what draws people in they're like oh you know <laughs> it's like, what was that chakra <laughs> um you know and kind of hearing this sort of manipura chakra what is that you know um you know and then kind of explaining that into you know this is the fire in your belly this is your motivation this is your drive this is your purpose this is what in- motivates you to get up on a daily basis and you feel that you can feel that in, in your core. And, you know, and so it's getting people to relate, isn't it? The philosophy to their body, how that feels and how they can implement that on a daily basis in their in their own lives and what that actually means to them. And, of course, if they're not feeling motivated and if they are feeling tired, then there's something going on around that particular energy system. Mm-hmm. You know, which this stuff has been discussed for thousands of years around yogic philosophies and other spiritual philosophies around you know our energy system yeah I think there's two points that you just made there one is um making it relevant to today's uh, context and people's lives because you know I've, I've been on courses where the philosophy is taught in such an abstract way in such an academic way that it, it kind of <clears throat> it feels like a topic that isn't relevant to me in my life and the choices that I make today. And, and that's not useful for me. I'm not interested in that kind of philosophy or that way of studying philosophy. To say. Um, I really want to know how does what they were teaching 3,000 years ago apply to this difficult conversation I'm about to go into today? Mm. Or the fact that I'm sitting in a pandemic and, you know, I've got to deal with all of these restrictions on our lives and, and all of the news that's around. How does that help me now? <laughs> you know, yeah. so I think there's that. And then the, the second thing that you were just talking about is how these tools empower people in their lives. And I, I think this is a massive thing for me in all of my teaching and kind of where I'm thinking about <clears throat> where I want to take my teaching going forward is, Really, I don't want to study this as an idea. It's really allowing people to take proactive action in their physical, mental, emotional, psycho, uh, emotional health. They don't have to wait for a doctor or a physiotherapist or a psychotherapist or a priest or, you know, that we have everything that we need. It's just learning how to tap into those energies and knowing where the right place to look is. And I think if, and that's really why I set up the studio, how can I get people to see that? Mm. to really get to experience that for themselves because you know we're so hungry to find you know all this stuff about getting onto social media and shopping and all those addictions what we're looking for is that inner peace and we're always looking outside of ourselves and we can do it in recovery 
recovery where you know self-help books and psychotherapists like they have their place don't get me wrong and I think they can be incredibly useful and I've done all of those and the more I get along the journey the more I realize and come to trust that it's actually in me those people can direct me to the right place but ultimately it's in me and the more that we can empower people especially people in recovery to tap into that wisdom and to tap into um their own capacity and to trust themselves um yeah you know I think that's incredible well that's key isn't it It, you know being able to come back to ourselves and I and I think um you know I mean I say that quite flippantly you know it's uh, coming back to ourselves you know it's not like a an overnight journey um Uh, and you know we often keep leaving ourselves <laughs> and coming <Yeah>. back again. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where um, I'm going, but I'm not. Alone. <laughs> um, but ultimately, it is remembering, isn't it, that this human body that we're living in is our home, mm. right here on Earth. You know, while our feet are touching the ground and while our heart is beating, um, you know, we're here in this moment. And, you know, yogic philosophy or yogic principles or teachings um, can be very practical for that. They can help us with that. They can give us reminders of that because it is mind, body and spirit. It is about the unison of of the three, binding those three. So they they come into um, harmony with each other. Of course, that is, you know, but it's being able to catch it, isn't it? It's like, oh, yeah, that's going off there. Okay, let's pull that back in. And it's just about being the the observer of that, um, you know, and, of course, these little words. And I love the Sanskrit words, you know, because I think they're really fun to learn. I think they sound great. They've just got a resonance about them. Um, and they remind me very quickly. So, you know, I just think of the word moksha, you know. So uh, just my liberation of self, I'm causing my own suffering right now, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. recognising that I'm causing my own suffering right now. It could be that I, I recognise that I'm causing my own suffering right now. And so I come into acceptance with that. And so I can move through it. And... Um, you know, it is, and I, I really do feel, you know, that a lot of these teachings and being able to sit still, um, and like what you said about, you know, the asana, the asana practice is to be able to sit still in our own bodies and be comfortable in our own bodies, you know, yeah. es- especially if we are, you know, if we've been living in a place of fight or flight for a long time, stress, and <clears throat> the body is very tight. As a result of that, if we sit down, the first thing we're just going to think about is being uncomfortable. So, of course, the movement in itself just opens us out. It opens the body out. It teaches it that it's got a little bit more movement than it thinks. It starts going into the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the rest and digest. The muscles start to relax. And then eventually over time, you can start to sit still with more ease and comfort in your own body. So we can get past that first little barrier um, of the body. Um, Then eventually the mind, you know, and the breath, will start to catch up yeah um and then we can start to sit in a little you know a little bit more uh, as time goes by a little bit more and when we do that when we really start to sit still then we have the capacity to allow more in if you like you know the capacity to absorb more of this information that is out there for us to 
expand our awareness, if you like, expand our consciousness, which is also what yoga is about, mm. um, which I suppose our, our consciousness, if you like, in translation is really is just about expanding our awareness we, you know we are an energy system everything is energy you know we know that through science we can say everything is energy we are energy and through sitting still and recognizing that we are more than our suffering we are more than the thoughts in our mind we can start to expand our sense of awareness and of course expand our consciousness and recognize that we are more than we ever thought you know and this is where the power of yoga mm. can really come come into it the magic of it and I, I do think I really don't want to minimize asana practice because I feel especially in our culture in our society there's such an agitation in the body you know the nervous system is constantly stimulated it's it's tired it's overwired you know, so there's this agitation in the body. So it's very difficult to have ease in the mind when the body is so agitated. So for me, the physical practice and, you know, I'm talking about yoga, but that could be somatics. It could be walking. It could be, you know, whatever it is you need to, I need to discharge that agitation first. Yeah. Um, that gets pent up in the body, trauma living in the body, you know, mm-hmm. do that another call because that's a long discussion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, being able to release some of that, at least some of it, it's like turning the, taking the bottle off the top, that kind of, psh, just some release. Yes. And, and then moving into this idea of sitting still. And I, I don't just mean like being able to sit in a meditation. I mean, sitting at a coffee table waiting for your friend with complete ease and comfort. Like imagine that. Yes. <laughs> or, or waiting, you know, for, for outside of a doctor's surgery uh, to get some results with ease and comfort imagine that you know yes that you can actually just sit and be with yourself in whatever context you're in there's this kind of equanimity nothing is phasing I mean that is just such a gift yes we're not so knocked over by all of these emotional states and all of these external events there's this kind of center in everything that means that we can allow things to unfold the way they're going to unfold without you know having to try and control it because I've got two I've got two reactions to that. I either try and control it or I want to run away from it. And run yes. away from Netflix, social media, whatever it might be. Absolutely. To just be able to sit with whatever is happening inside of me, outside of me. I mean, what, geez, that's like ninja style <laughs> recovery. Right? Well, that's it. Life is, you literally, you've just sussed life. <laughs> <laughs> you will now ascend to the other side and complete peace and harmony and never have to come back here again (laughs) Um, but I'm I'm really pleased that you mentioned that because you know that is yoga off the mat and that is yoga and meditation off the meditation cushion sitting there with your your hands in in you know in chin mudra chanting om as beautiful as as those are and as 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 amazing as those practices are it is about being able to be in real life situations and feeling a sense of peace and calm without feeling worried and scared and in fear that's why i sit that's why I do yoga I'm practicing so that I can go and do it in the real world I'm yes you know it's like going to the gym I'm just practicing being still and calm and sitting with myself so when I go out into the real world and something disturbs me I've got something to lean back into I know what the feeling is 
Absolutely. Do you know, yoga really taught that for me. You've really just brought that, ignited that memory in me. And, you know, I was one of those that loved doing the headstands and the handstands on the fancy poses, you know, I really did. But that also taught me to overcome fear, actually. It made me realize that I could, and because I was so fearful of doing these things, that yoga actually taught me and gave me a little step-by-step guide without actually flying into something. So I harm myself, which of course in yoga is called ahimsa, you know, non-harming. We don't need to fly into stuff. And then, you know, I did the, and it taught me that. But once I accomplished these poses, I I don't do them. I do, I do fly upside down sometimes, you know, but um, because for me, it's, it's part of my practice. I don't necessarily feel the need to plaster it all over Instagram anymore. (laughs) my achievement (laughs) but um you know there's nothing wrong with that side of the journey as well because it's still teaching you that that taught me so much about myself still you know that whole journey and and yoga does do that and that's why it's important I suppose for me not to become too critical of people on that journey (laughs) I don't want to become self-righteous you know (laughs) we've been there you know I've, I've been there where I've you know, masters and tricky arm balances. And, you know, I think you're right. There's a double-edged sword to it. So there's this kind of um, being willing to explore edges, you know, whether that's a fear, whether that's a physical thing, whether that's courage, you know, whatever it might be, that's what yoga teaches me. You know, what is too much and what's not enough? And as an addict, oh, my God, that's my constant question. (laughs) You know, when is it too much? When is it not enough? Where's that sweet spot in between where there is growth, you know? So I, I, but going through that process and, and exploring different postures and discovering that I was capable of much more than I thought I was, which was a lovely lesson to learn. And once I get to play about with those tricky arm balances and inversions, then grasping onto them, you know, so the next time I can't do it, well, now I'm angry, you know, because I could do this before and now I can't do it. Yeah. And then looking at how we get attached to those things and feeling like it somehow defines whether we're good at yoga or not good at yoga. Yeah. Even that, I think, is an important part of the process. So a bit like you, I recognize, you know, when everybody's on their own part of the journey and if I see something, I'm like, oh, God, they're doing that thing. I then look at my life and go, well, where are you doing it? Because for sure, girl, you're still doing it somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> you're not that far away, you know. I'm not that different. I, you know, I, I don't want to fall yeah. into the trap of believing that I'm further along the line somehow. Because there is this thing called spiritual arrogance as well, where, you know, you know, I remember I used to be like that, but I'm so you know, <laughs> all of that. I'm going through a phase of that too. I really recognise it. I'm no different. I'm no different. Mine just looks different. You know, it comes in a different outfit these days or it might have a yeah. different name. But, you know, I've still got all of that in me. You know, yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. Path, right? uh, we're uh, I think there's a guy called Tommy Tommy Rosen who you introduced me to. Um, actually, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So um, he says I'm on a path of recovery and self discovery, and I really <laughs> love that. Or, or I'm on the, yeah, something like that anyway. And um, uh, I, yeah, we are always on a path of self discovery yeah. in recovery. You know, just to pick up on Tommy Rosen, um, I find him really interesting because my I don't even know if it's a criticism of 12 step program. But for me, the thing that's missing out of 12 step program is the body. You know, for me, it's so fundamental to my well-being. 
Yeah. And if I'm ever off track, whether that's psycho-emotional stuff or, you know, I feel like I'm stuck, the place I always start is the body. It's the thing that will then galvanize, you know, the mind, body and spirit at the same time. And in the traditional 12-step program, there's no focus on, on the physical well-being, whether that's nutrition, whether that's movement. And what Tommy does is bring these two things together. Now, I'm not so hot on his marketing and, you know, the 2.0 thing, but mm. he's got a point. He's got a real point about, you know, taking care of the physical. There's no point in getting sober if you're, you know, polluting yourself with toxic food and smoking yourself to death and, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's well, this is it, yeah. And that's kind of sort of, I think, for me, because obviously I was in recovery at the time, um, you know, on a 12-step program, doing meetings and then going, and then when I went to kind of yoga, which is actually the path that got me to stop smoking and uh, got me to really look at my food, it, it really helped me with all of with all of that. And that's when I realised how important actually this practice really was for for the development of recovery um yeah and and obviously for me to be where I want to be in my life you know where I envision myself in this very short time that I have on this earth and how I want to I want to utilize that I want to make the most of that without being addicted to that (laughs) you know so which is a whole other you know yeah a whole other it's always about reining it back in a little bit isn't it you know and now I'm actually you know now I'm at the point where I've had to really kind of come out of this place of wanting to sit all the time I just want to sit in meditation all the time you know now now I need to find some motivation to to actually spread this message out into the world (laughs) really good point because there is um like anything uh yoga and meditation can be used in two different ways it can be a way of getting out of ourselves again and if you shop around there are a lot of people in recovery in in yoga and meditation rooms you know yes it's another way of getting out of our heads yeah if we're not paying attention but what the real value of the practice is it's not to get out of your head it's to go in yes and explore and inquire and be curious and be to get closer to yourself rather than further away. So I stay away from those type of meditations that take me off into space. I love them, don't get me wrong. <laughs> it feels like a trip, right? But I understand that it doesn't it's not helping. <laughs> <laughs> It's definitely something you have to be like more aware of. And I think it's a case of maybe doing it for recognizing your intention behind it all, isn't it? It, I think that's the thing, isn't it? A key thing. And it's something I probably use a lot, you know, when I'm teaching is what is our intention? Mm. You know, even in my life, what is my intention for this? You know, because I do have to keep a check on my intentions and, you know, and that really, that, that, that just helps me check in, really. Yeah. You know, what am I doing this for? Um, am I escaping something? Uh, you know, am I coming away from something that I know that I should be doing, but I'm actually avoiding that by going into this very lovely, you know, space in meditation where they're going to take me off into the cosmos somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You know, I do. I absolutely love it. Of course I do. But... I yeah recognize when I just need to sit myself with nothing absolutely nothing but myself and that is the hardest one to do but the one that I actually need to do (laughs) I think that's so beautiful that thing about intention it's it's like a lighthouse light isn't it It kind of it keeps pointing in the direction that you need to go and 
you know, stops you getting into the dark spaces that can be really tempting, you know, yeah. or in actual practice. Yeah. 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 Oh, so um, before I wrap it up, um, I've absolutely loved uh, speaking to you and, um, you know, and, and discussing this, this really important, what I feel really important topic. It's a huge, vast uh, industry, you know, as we know, and it can be quite confusing for some people. So, you know, I feel that we've kind of, you know, through this podcast has given little bite-sized chunks of what philosophy is and how we can implement this in our own lives. And, you know, if people want to go onto that path of discovery, they can. There's, there's so much information out there, isn't there, right? Uh, in fact, when someone says to me, Estella, what book shall I? I'm like, uh. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> there's a big library out there <laughs> I'm not sure I'm I'm qualified to tell you what book you should read um but yeah so uh, um what what is it that you in fact you've kind of come away from teaching the yoga in regards to headstands and and all of that haven't you what what type of yoga are you actually teaching now um I would say for the last couple of years uh my classes will always have an element of somatics movement so this is uh, a more introverted slow uh mindful practice that's floor based it will have an element of that um it will have some dynamic flow because i'm a believer in shifting the energy and i will always weave some philosophy in there like you were saying i want to whet their appetite into getting curious about this stuff so i'll always do that but like you said um obviously i i left white space as the studio owner last year um, because I really had the sense that I want to do something else and, and I have no idea what that is at the moment, which is wonderful. I'm, I'm in that space of being confused and quiet. Mm. Um, I have, I've had a, a sense for a couple of years that there is something else I want to do with everything that I've learned in my teaching and, um, and with every student, all of the, like you said, hundreds and thousands of students that I've worked with, I've learned so much. And I want to figure out where is it that I can be most useful now? You know, I've, I've done that thing with white space. I've opened up the studio. People are teaching. There's lots of yoga around. Where can I be most useful now? Like, what is it? And at the moment, my sense is something in healthcare, and I've got no idea what that is. But I'm, I'm a real. I get so frustrated that um, so much suffering is preventable. You know, whether yes. that's physical, whether that's mental, it's preventable. Yeah. And, and that really frustrates me that we're, we're, we keep dealing with the back end of that process where people have already suffered and we're trying to fix it afterwards. And and I just think that we've got things upside down. So I'm just trying to work out, okay, how do I want to engage with that problem, <laughs> which is a massive tangle. I, I don't know what the answer is yet. I'm kind of going to sit with that for a few weeks, maybe months until I get clear yeah absolutely and you know that 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 for me is what I'm doing this series for that is what I'm starting up you know the the course for and I'm looking into that as well you know so maybe it's a discussion we can have in the woods sometime um because it's definitely uh, been um an epiphany let's say that I had you know six years ago very in fact whilst I was doing my teach training it came to me in a, in a dream at six o'clock in the morning that I needed to go out and get these practices to people who really need it <laughs> <laughs> right. so something that has 
worked so well in your life all you want to do is share it whether that's 12-step program whether that's yoga yeah nutrition it's the same thing right you just want to share it with people yeah well and that's where I'm at what now and that's why I changed the platform name from yoga buddy to conscious buddy mm-hmm. because it all falls under that umbrella and my my journey has changed so much and I've used so many different modalities which are going to um all going to be a part of this series you know all these modalities that I use are all going to be a part of the series um and that there is no one way of doing something you know it's just a path of discovery and you know we're what what I say now that I'm a part of everything but attached to nothing you know so it's for me there is no one particular way but we can use these practices as complementary in our lives alongside us without being attached to this is the only way right yeah I I I really recommend try them all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Try them all. See what resonates with you. And works. Whatever yeah. works. Just do that. Whatever gives you more peace, whatever makes you more kind. Yes. Do that, whatever it is. Yeah. Exactly. But before we sign off, I just want to say congratulations and that I'm so proud of and impressed by the work that you're doing. I really support it. Oh. Great job. Well done for doing the platform and bringing resources together for everybody. I think you're amazing. Oh, thank you so much, Will. I wouldn't be able to do it and it wouldn't be possible without community. So, you know, and um, I, I'm just really grateful. It just shows me that the last six years seven years even longer actually I've got podcasts I'm doing with somebody that I met 11 years ago you know that it's all been a part of where it's come to now so it all makes sense (laughs) yes absolutely now's the time (laughs) it's always the time (laughs) no matter what we're doing But thank you so, so much, Deborah. I really, really appreciate it. And, um, you know, for those that are interested, if you're kind of wanting to do any type of teacher training or whatever, I will link you up to um, Deborah's uh, um, training links <laughs> for <laughs> for the website and for when they will restart again, I suppose, as well. And, um, yeah, thank you so, so much. You're most welcome. Thank you for inviting me. Real pleasure. Good luck with everything. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed that. To continue to keep up to date with what the Conscious Buddy community are up to, uh, you can connect through the online platform, which is a safe container. You request to join. There are a few suggestions, which is just to follow some simple rules of love and kindness, equality, supporting others, community and unity. This is just so we can keep the container safe for you to share with your other conscious bodies. You can also find out about up and coming retreats, events and workshops at consciousbodycommunity.com. If you like the content you are receiving and to continue to support our mission, which is ultimately to provide resources into our communities and to help educate those that need it, you can make a monthly or one-off donation through our donate button on ConsciousBuddyCommunity.com. We appreciate your support.